Chapter 42. Family Ties. Commences with something I saw written on a t-shirt. My wife said that if I go skiing one more time, she'll leave me. Gee, I'm going to miss her. I loved that t-shirt slogan so much that I asked the guy wearing it if I could take his picture. You see, Melinda has never been a skier, which is a huge disappointment to me as I thought family ski holidays would be the ultimate happy times. But for Melinda, it was always too cold, too hard and too painful. How does she know without ever having tried it? Well, there was that one time. We were holidaying in Switzerland one Christmas and after years of my coaxing, whining and pleading, she caved. Her concession to maybe try it was all I needed to race out and buy her a three-day lift pass. We were staying at the postcard-perfect alpine town of Grindelwald in the Jungfrau top ski zone, a seamless network of 213 kilometres, that's 128 miles of downhill skiing on 50 powder-puffing pists amongst Europe's most spectacular scenery. Heaven. Well, about as close as we'll get to it down here anyway. I assured Melinda that it was the ultimate location to learn to ski. We were travelling with John, a lifelong friend who is an accomplished artist, fashion designer, real estate developer, interior decorator and a lot of fun on the snow. I knew that between John and me, we could teach Melinda everything she needed to go from I hate this to yee-haw in just a day or two. In order to be able to teach her more easily, I sacrificed my personal enjoyment. For the only time in my life, I regressed back to skiing instead of the superior sport of snowboarding. Fellow boarders will know what sort of a sacrifice that was. So there we were, three skiers, sort of, and three perfect days. Well, to save you some details, it was actually three skiers on the first morning, and then just John and I for the rest. A word of advice. Doing a beginner skier in the middle sandwich snowplow train formation down a steeper than we thought slope ends up in a six ski porcupine position. Not good. By lunchtime, Melinda was back by the fire, rubbing her bruises and applying ice to a swollen knee. Never again. The words were spoken with a degree of obstinacy that I had never before witnessed in my gorgeous wife. John and I skied ourselves silly and came home absolutely elated at the end of each day. Well, the years flew by, and all of a sudden, it was time for me to teach our boys how to ski. To her credit, Melinda agreed to join us on our ski trip, as long as she didn't have to attach her feet to anything longer than woolly boots. We had a ball. The boys took to the snow, as kids do, and we had the bonus of a full-time cook making a la carte feasts three times a day. Perfect! but I still wished Melinda would join us on the slopes. A couple of ski seasons later, a group of friends kindly asked if we would like to join them on a ski break. Absolutely. They are friends that we don't see nearly enough, and the ski trip was a perfect chance to catch up. One of the team was actually Melinda's cousin-in-law, if that's a word. Trev is one of those big, fit guys who is a barrel of fun to be around. The kids all love him to bits, and he has a smile that's hard to refuse as Melinda soon found out. As we were all trying on our boots and boards on the first morning, Melinda happened to walk by the hire centre. A bad move. Trev grabbed her by the arm, dragged her to the counter, and instructed the attendant to get this girl all the gear she needs to have a ball in the snow. Melinda squirmed, wriggled, and gave a list of seemingly good excuses, 
But Trev would have none of it. He just grinned and kept the ball rolling. Next thing we knew, Melinda was standing in full kit, looking as cute as any snow bunny above the tree line. Last thing I saw was Trev coaxing her out the door towards the lifts and a qualified instructor. The outcome? She loved it. She was like a young dolphin that had just surfed its first wave. Again, again, can we do it again? Thanks Trev, you're a legend. The following year we had another superb family skiing trip. The boys loved it, I loved it, Melinda loved it. Perfect family fun. Then, sometime over the next summer, I started to get an icy conscience about spending almost $10,000 for a week of family fun. There were so many other things we could do with that money to help people in need. I mulled it over for a few weeks, then made an early winter announcement that we would not be having skiing vacations anymore as I couldn't justify the flagrant waste of money. You can imagine how my patriarchal decision was received, especially by Melinda Snow Bunny Archer. What? But I just learned to ski! So here's the thing. If you're in a long-term relationship and God is convicting you to make some significant changes in your spending, your work habits, your asset portfolio, or even your travel plans, don't do it without first consulting your spouse. It took two of you and God to get where you are today, and any decisions about changes to your life plan need to be done hand in hand and on your knees. Don't change the rules halfway through the game without having the whole team on the same side. Don't lean over towards your wife after hearing a moving mission story at church and whisper, Honey, I'm going to sell our family beach house and give all the money to these guys. I'll talk to our lawyers about it tomorrow. She might just reply, I think I'll be talking to them too. Big changes often take time. I'm not saying for one minute that you shouldn't follow the promptings and convictions of the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't be the first person to leave all and follow him. Jesus was deadly serious and seriously wanting to give us a bionic life when he said in Matthew 10, 37-39, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Just make sure that both you and your spouse find a way to agree on any big changes that you're planning to make. You don't want to get immersed in your downsizing and simplifying activities only to find that your spouse and children resent your decision, that they haven't felt the conviction you have. Don't get to a point where your family is shouting at you, why do we have to be denying ourselves for you? And why are you forcing us to carry your cross? We were perfectly happy the way we were. If you're the father of the home, there is a guiding role that you need to play as the spiritual leader there. But be wise in the way you fulfil it. I know I haven't always played my cards well in this regard. When changes occur as a team, they may occur more slowly or differently to how you envisioned. If you're accustomed to making significant financial and corporate decisions on the fly at work, the slower pace of shepherding a family may be challenging. Hang in there. Don't give up. Remember inventor Thomas Edison's words. Many of life's failures are people who didn't realise how close they were to success when they gave up. Share your convictions quietly and peaceably.
And if you're asking your family to deny themselves something for the benefit of others, then make sure that they can see you denying yourself some of your favourite things for the same reasons. We must lead by example, not by force. Maybe even ask every family member to read some or all of this book and write their thoughts, both for and against, in the margins. Then set aside some times for sharing, discussion and decision making. Faithfully plant the seeds and let the Holy Spirit do the work.